0: This is the Rotary and Community Service radio show, featuring interviews with people of action. So continue listening to be educated and inspired. You can catch us live every Friday night between 6 to 8 p.m. on 3WBC 94.1 FM. I'm really stoked to share this next interview with you. Um, He is one of my favorite Rotarians. He's certainly one of the most talented that we have, and he's the star of, was one of the stars in Northern Central and definitely a star of the stage. Michael Lapina, welcome to the Rotary Radio Program. Hey Amanda, how are you? (laughs) Good, thank you. Now, we have pre-recorded this this interview, and I just want you to share exactly where it is you're sitting at the moment for this evening, <laughs> because I think this is really funny.
1: I knew you'd ask me that.
0: So it is a, uh, I'm allowed to say what time it is. It's about 10
1: past nine uh, Thursday morning, and I've just dropped my children off at school, and I don't have to teach until about 12.30 today. So I'm sitting in the car park of Bunnings waiting for the sausages to be cooked up so that I can have a late breakfast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> True rotarian, has that sausage sizzle for breakfast? Add bunny. It couldn't be more perfect. <laughs> now, Michael, like I mentioned, you are you are literally a star of the stage, and um, I have been—I'll hand on heart—I've been um, not so stalking but researching, following you. <laughs> I'm uh, following you on Facebook. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about what you've been up to? Like, cause I to see
1: rehearsals after rehearsals. So something's going on. Yeah, look, there's, um, it's a very busy time for me. Uh, in a couple of weeks, I'm off to tour um, in China. I've got two weeks of touring and singing in five different locations across China. Then straight after that, when I come back here, I have a concert in Hawthorne Town Hall on the 22nd of April, and then I start a, a five-month tour with Opera Australia as part of their schools company, being the principal tenor there. But oh my yeah, I know. But up until that point, I've been uh, doing quite a few things. Last Sunday night, I debuted. Well, we had our Australian premiere of Rimsky-Korsakov's uh, Caché the Immortal. It's a, an opera that has never it has probably only been performed four or five times around the world and uh, it was written early in the 1900s but it's taken this long for us to get an Australian premiere and we did that at the um, Melbourne Recital Centre on Sunday night, Sunday the 18th and um, huge acclaim. Um, it was fantastic. We had uh, great reviews in The Age, and uh, our opera chaser, resident opera chaser, also put, posted a nice review online for it. Um, and it was just a fantastic performance. So there was a lot of time put into that. That was sung in Russian. So I had sung Russian before, but never as the lead. So <laughs> um, oh I was actually, I was actually uh, cachet, I was the title role. Um, and it was a character tenor role. Character tenor roles, essentially what that means is that um, generally tenors are the romantic leads in most operas. This one, the tenor was the, you might say, the dirty old man who was a wizard that had locked this beautiful princess up. And, um, and so I got to be really, really ugly and really, really horrible and play up to everything that I think I'm not. I'm not sure. <laughs> but um you but, definitely no, have a no. <laughs> yeah, Thank you. Um and then prior to that we had a number of concerts. We had a big concert. Um opera again, it was an, uh, another night of debut, Opera on the Yarra for Rotary Central Melbourne. Um we had a full house that night and we were able to raise um oh we just had a delivery we just had a delivery truck go by. <laughs>
0: It's
1: um, all the sausages. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Um we we were able to raise uh quite a bit for central Melbourne, uh Rotary Central Melbourne and the, the work that uh that my pub does, we were able to raise quite a bit for that night. So that was a great concert. And there's been concerts left, right, and centre. This weekend I've actually got uh two concerts and then tonight I've got another concert. So Thursday night I've got another concert. Um so been quite busy as a singer.
0: Um, yeah. <laughs> how do you, how do you? I mean, if you're doing so many performances, obviously that's a massive, well, physical strain, but in particular a strain on your voice. Do you have to like what goes in? I guess to kind of preserving that magical instrument of yours.
1: Oh, you're too kind. Thank you. Do um, you know what it is? I I've been told, and many people liken it to. Uh, elite athletes doing um, the Olympics. So for a very, very long time, we've been doing a lot of training and getting ourselves um, match ready, you might say. So uh, getting ourselves to that peak where we've got um, the stamina, the endurance, the uh, refinement to make sure that it's not, um, you're not overdoing. So there's, there's a lot of efficiency management that we put into our singing. So when we sing, and as opera singers, uh, it's a large sound, but uh, when we sing, we only utilize a very, very small amount of uh, vocal energy. Most of the um, effort is done through the body. And uh, because of that, um, we end up being extremely Physically tired, or and also emotionally tired because we invest quite a lot of ourselves into it. But from a vocal point of view, with a good technique, you should still feel quite fresh after a good concert.
0: How fascinating! Yeah, well, I personally would be mentally exhausted just even trying to say a little bit of Russian, let alone singing an entire <laughs> opera in it. So oh, there is that. God. There too. <laughs> I think you're my friend.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. You know what it is with um with singing in any language and I think um, as as singers we're quite fortunate because we, we tend to um they, they did a study where people who sing are actually using the same amount of brain power as as those that uh, fly uh, an F eighteen Hornet at five hundred feet of, above the ground. So the amount of calculations that you're doing, yeah, it's it's quite significant. And, and we talk about things like uh, we we're we're thinking at the technique level. So we're talking about what our body is doing, what our breathing is doing, um, what our vocal cords are doing. Then we're talking about the emotional level, so what is the narrative, what is the character feeling, and how I should be expressing myself at that level. And then we're also being aware of what the conductor is wanting us to do at the same time whilst the people around us are singing and we need to remember what our cue is. And then on top of that, remembering the words in whatever language we do. So there's there's a lot that goes on into um, putting a performance together. But I think uh, once you've done it and when you keep doing it, You tend to build up um, some strategies that help you uh, approach every single role in very much the same way. So, learning Russian um, and learning Italian and singing in German and French, they're all, the approach is quite similar. You look at it from a phonetical point of view, you understand what the language, what the rules of the language are when you create the sound. You then determine how best to create that sound as a singer. And then you learn the text itself and understand what the text is saying. And and I think in a different language, the hardest thing is understanding the nuances and the subtext that is being implied through the language. You just don't take it literally. And then turning that into um, uh, an actual uh, character that that pretty much uh, takes over your whole body, takes over your whole process thought process, and and then that takes care of everything else.
0: So, basically, when someone makes, and I, I do think this is a truly uh, sexist comment, but it is a common one, when they say, men can't multitask, you just turn around and be like, ha, well. <laughs> <laughs> um, look,
1: my wife, my wife would still argue that I, I struggle with quite the basic things, but... Um, <laughs> Look, uh, and we were having a conversation earlier about, uh, you know, you and I with social media and technology and how the children of these days, you know, intuitively uh, get it better than us. But, look, I think this is a strategy like anyone who, who um, has worked extremely hard on their craft. It's um, you, you build up strategies that help you. And I think for me, especially given that I get a lot of roles and... Um, not much time to learn them and then perform them, Um, you have to establish a very procedural um, approach to uh, everything that you do just so that you can get through it. Um, I remember I used to get quite overwhelmed, and I I, I suppose I still do, um, whenever I get a big task put in front of me. And my wife will always say, you know, you could always give up. And um, my response to that is actually no. This is really what I want to be doing. So how can I make it work? So,
0: it. and of course you've you've had um you've had a lot of you know you've been singing opera for a long time and I know you've had a lot of experience. But you've you've obviously gone and formally studied this craft as well. Are you able to tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. Look, I didn't want to be a singer when I was. Well, I wanted to be one of those shower singers. Uh, I loved singing in the shower. In fact, there's a recording of me when I was three years old singing in the bathroom, and uh, I was singing the Lord's Prayer. We'd just come home from church, and and I heard this beautiful song, and I went, oh my God, and I started singing it um, in the bathroom, and my dad recorded it. So it was when I was three years old. Amazing. Amazing. But you know, in high school, I wanted to be an aerospace engineer, so I was doing all the physics and the hard maths, and and um, I loved languages. So I was learning German at high school, um, but I also loved music, and music was probably more a competition between me and my sister. My older sister was getting into music theatre, all the school musicals, and getting into the choirs, and I had to be better than her. So I um, joined the choir and. Because there weren't many boys in the choir, I ended up getting all the solos uh, solos for the boys. And uh, in, in music theatre, again, there weren't many boys get, going into music theatre, so I ended up getting all the lead roles for boys. And so I, I pretty much got a uh, love for it then, but never took it seriously until I saw Phantom of the Opera back in 1989.
0: And um, who who was playing the who was playing the lead when you saw that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Anthony Wallow. I hear that was, oh, I'm
0: so glad you said that. <laughs>
1: yeah, look, Anthony Waller and um Marina Troy were pretty much my idols at that time and I remember watching us and then walking into my um, head of music department, the head of music department's office the very next day and said I'm going to be a singer. <laughs> was, and um, when I called dad, who was hoping that I'd be an aerospace engineer, you know, I come from a, I'm, I'm, I was his only son. I am his only son. Um, I, you know, we, we come from a Filipino background, being the only son and, uh, being the guy who has to be the breadwinner for the family. Um, it was a big thing for me to turn around and say, Dad, I want to be a singer and not an aerospace engineer. So (laughs) it didn't go down too well. Um, But I auditioned for the College of the Arts um, at the end of Year 12. Um, 10,000 people auditioned for nine positions, and I got it. Um, I didn't complete it because halfway through my final year, I got snapped up by the Victorian State Opera and um, was being groomed to be one of their young artists. Uh, I was also working for Walt Disney at the time. I auditioned for Walt Disney became a singer-dancer for them and, and um, worked for Walt Disney for about eight years. Um, started as a singer-dancer but went up the ranks and became a stage manager, tour manager, and then production manager. And um, by the end of that, I met my now wife. And Disney was sending me around the world. I was touring and... and singing and dancing all across Asia, Australia, New Zealand. And um, I got sick of the touring. (laughs) And and so I settled down with my wife. We got married in 2000. Um, In 2001, oh, in 2000, I was also a member of Opera Australia at the time because Opera Australia took over the Victorian State Opera. And I didn't have that passion for singing anymore. I fell in love with my wife. I used all the training that I had with regards to stage management and tour and production management to land a role at the National Australia Bank.
0: Um,
1: I then went into project management at the National Australia Bank and we got married and had our first child in 2001 and I pretty much turned my back on singing then. Uh, I stopped singing i didn 't sing with Opera Australia anymore. I uh rose the ranks of uh the National Australia Bank until about uh, two thousand and six where I met Stephen lake and Stephen Lake and I were having a chat. Uh, it could have been two thousand and five actually and Stephen Lake is a Rotarian from uh, the Rotary Club of Melbourne, and he saw me and he saw the type of person I was um even though I turned my back on on singing, I was still conducting a number of choirs, and I was utilizing the these choirs to, to put on fundraising to help uh the Knights of the Southern Cross, which is a small group of people here who do who raise funds to help um, families in in uh our parish around this area and Stephen suggested that i uh visit Rotary. The and and we I was working at the National Australia Bank at five hundred Burke Street and there's a Rotary Club across the road, Rotary Club Central Melbourne. And at the time it was called Rotary Club of Central Melbourne Sunrise because they were a breakfast meeting. And um I loved it. Walked in um before work, across the road, um met John Meehan and a number of beautiful Rotarians who I've grown to love and call family, and uh, they took me under their wings, and that's when my love for Rotary pretty much started, and I've been with Rotary ever since. In 2006, that same year, um, Stephen Lake, and and by opening my eyes to the world of Rotary, I realized that... um, it you don't do things for money, you do things for the enjoyment of myself and others around and, and making sure that you know, you could do your best to to make a difference in the world. And so I decided to go back and follow my my number one passion, which was um singing. And in fact, in two thousand and six my wife and I um were watching Phantom of the Opera. It was released in the movies, and uh, I, I took her for to to a um, a gold-class screening of Phantom of the Opera, and it, it was very, very popular, because we were the only ones in the theatre, so,
0: um,
1: which was a good thing, because... So, basically, the...
0: basically, you told her that you actually just booked the whole cinema just for you two, that's what you said, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, always, because...
1: <laughs> I I, I, You know what it is? Because I, I was already a Rotarian by that time. And, you know, the four-way test is, is it the truth? And I, was, I just couldn't say that. <laughs> um, but I, we were in there. And during the opening montage where you had that beautiful thing, da-da-da-da-da-da, and um, I held my wife's hand and held it to my chest, so she's in this huge plush chair about five metres away from me because they're big and I'm not that big. <laughs> and I grabbed, I grabbed her hand and put it on my chest and I was sobbing and uncontrollably I was sobbing so badly that it was like a little baby who had lost their mum and, and my wife turned to me and said, you've got to go back to singing.
0: Oh, and that imagine. year,
1: yeah, 2006, I... I picked up the phone that night. I called up a few people um, who I knew were were uh, well-known vocal singers, uh, vocal teachers. And uh, I met with one of them and said, hey, what do you think? What should I be doing with my song, uh, my voice? Because I haven't been in the singing industry for a long time. And... She said, and it's Merlin Quaith, actually. Merlin Quaith is a Rotarian now with um, I think Bendigo South, but she might get angry with me if I'm if I get it all wrong. Um, but she is a Rotarian, um, and Merlin said to me that you know she asked me where have you been, and, and uh, ended up calling me Mario throughout that whole lesson, uh, which was interesting. I love it to death. And if it wasn't for her pointing me in the right direction, um, I probably would not have uh gotten the career that I have with singing that um I have right now. Uh within a year I within a year I uh, within twelve months of seeing Merlin I became a principal for Victorian Opera, for Melbourne Opera. Uh, a few years afterwards I um oh no, in that same year I started singing with Opera Australia again. And a few years after that became principal for um South Australian opera. Uh pretty much done with every single opera company here in Melbourne.
0: And so Mario prin- basically basically Mario never looked back. Well, it's interesting <laughs> to say that because
1: you know, Mario was one of my first principal roles, Mario Cavaradossi in Tosca. And so it was very, very funny. It's quite ironic that um
0: that was a little too perfect. <laughs> Yes, 's like, um, now michael you um, you actually mentioned really um sort of early on in our conversation about how you recently put on opera on the Yarra, and I believe that there may have been at least one other star in that production um who rotary are doing a really beautiful and very generous um thing for well, yeah. you know let what? us know about. I'm going to get it right. I'm going to say Next Generation Study Exchange, otherwise known yeah. as the NGSE.
1: <laughs> yeah, we had to put the acronym in there. That was that is correct. Hey, um, yeah, Amanda, uh, actually, we had two people on stage who have been selected for NGSE. Uh, Raphael Wong has been selected for this year and um, Shakira Sindos will be for next year. Now, the Next Generation Study Exchange, actually, we didn't know anything about it um, for up until last year. Last year, we were approached, our district uh, uh, was approached by a district in New South Wales um, who has a very mature program of the NGSE. And what it is, is it's a program for young professionals starting off, In their vocation um, aged between 18 and 30 who would like to do an exchange overseas or you know as as we had it we had someone come from Germany here to have a look at what their vocation is like within the country that they selected for the exchange with the view that they may be able to get some exposure in that vocation learn a lot more and possibly have it lead towards other bigger things. So, the the, the program itself is uh, has been designed primarily because you know we used to have the uh, group study exchange or vocational exchange, and uh, we know that that's no longer going ahead. So, this was particularly uh, this was specifically designed to help those that were young who have a specific need and where Rotary might be able to lend a hand to, to be able to um, open up the doors of networking. And then hopefully that person will be able to utilize that vocation to support Rotary and its humanitarian efforts somehow down the track. So the person that we had coming from Germany last year was a young girl by the name of Hannah Weigel. And uh, she's from Nuremberg. And being um, uh, from Germany... She in, in Germany, she was actually studying opera, and so it made sense for the the district in New South Wales to make contact with uh, David Cram, who's a Rotarian from a uh, roadway club of Melbourne. And uh, David knows me, so he and I got together, and we started putting together a program where we could help Hannah... Uh, visit a number of the, uh, the opera companies here in Victoria, experience some of the things that we're doing here and give her an insight to what um, an opera vocation looks like here in Victoria. That was extremely successful and uh, Hannah went back to Nuremberg uh, feeling extremely satisfied that the program had m- met her needs. So, uh, Alan Steele, being the chair of, um, our district vocation, vocational committee, thought, let's do the same thing here. And he asked me to assist him in, um, at least utilizing the same network that Hannah, um, had in Germany, um, to, to fast track, you might say, uh, a program in its infancy within our district. So, We went ahead and selected uh, a couple of um, young opera singers, and uh, Raphael and Shakira were the two that we selected. Um, Central Melbourne, Referee Central Melbourne, uh, became the you might say the pilot club to sponsor these two candidates. Raphael will be going in um, uh, I think August September this year. Now. What's interesting with Raphael and Shakira is that they've also uh, applied and been successful in the Acclaim Awards, which is a Rotary Club of Cheltenham and Rotary Club of uh, Melbourne um, scholarship, which takes them to Italy. So they've been able to do uh, a program, uh, they've been able to undertake their scholarship in Italy and then tack on... The trip to Germany at the same time, which makes sense because the way NGC works is that the Rotary clubs actually don't put in any funding, so to speak. They don't they don't have to pay for the trip. They don't have to pay for um, any of the uh, ancillary stuff. But what actually happens is the ho- the receiving club in the Country that the the destination country um, will provide billeting and will also do all the groundwork to try and create the networks and and the meetings and the experiences that the uh, NGSC uh, candidate will will be uh, undertaking. So it's really not too much work for the Rotary Club, and certainly not too expensive for the Rotary Club, so it makes sense that uh, these two candidates were able to leverage off the scholarship that they'd already received, which is taking them to Italy to extend their stay there and then go to Germany and uh, just take advantage of the experiences that the NGSC will provide them in Germany. So, this is happening. Sorry, go ahead.
0: No, no, I was just going to say, I mean, I, I really love this story because it highlights exactly what Rotary um, does well, which is obviously, you know, utilize its effective networks to give people experiences in their life that they may have otherwise not have had or that are going to have such a a massive um, impact on their life that they're never going to forget that it was Rotary that helped them have that. I mean, imagine going for these, for Raphael and Shakira going to Italy, and then Germany, and it's
1: because of royalties. Yeah. I think you, you hit it on the head there, Amanda, because in in anyone's uh, singing career, and certainly in, in my own singing career, I have talked about it earlier in this piece, but um, one of the biggest things that we lack in Australia is the opportunity to, for the diversity that comes with an international um, exchange. It's very difficult for someone like myself to go to London and sing in London or even get some coaching with London because there are all these uh, problems and, and hurdles that you have to um, jump to be able to uh, – relating to the visas. So you can't even sing there and work there unless there's a visa that supports it. And that's the same with America. That's the same throughout all of Europe. There are a few people that have been extremely fortunate to have um, received uh, a number of scholarships. So there's a scholarship called the Australian-German Grant that has sent a number of people to perform in places like Wiesbaden in in um, Germany. And those people, I've been keeping an eye on, on those people, they have now uh, got an international career. So we talk about people like Sharon Kempton, um, uh, Siobhan Stagg, and, and the likes who have gone over there purely because of these these scholarships, and um, even people like Antoinette Halloran, who is uh, one of our shining divas here in Australia, uh, attributes her success purely to the acclaim award, the, the the experiences that the acclaim award that she won through Rosary. Um, has given her to be able to go and sing overseas, get the coaching and the exposure, and then come back with the, with the um, uh, eyes wide open and the experience that she's been able to achieve overseas that we don't get here in Australia. And so Rotary has done wonders for our industry here in Australia, for the, uh, the art industry here in Australia. And I don't think we realise how significant Rotary actually has been. Um, A lot of my colleagues who are now big names, uh, Jackie Dark, who's currently singing in New Zealand uh, with Stuart Maunder, uh, they're putting on a performance of Candide at the moment. Uh, She is a regular principal with every single opera company here in Australia, attributes her uh, success largely to the support that she's received from a number of Rotary clubs all around Australia. So Rotary is quite significant. And we don't realise how uh, important the arts are to keeping us all human. (laughs) All that humanitarian that we do, arts plays a significant part because it's that... um, Someone once said to me, and only just recently, they said, you know, um, when... You have a, mu- uh, a movie, and you're creating a movie to add drama, to add tension, to add substance to the movie. You add music. When you have a speech, or when you have a conference, to add uh, some variety to it, to add substance, to add uh, a feeling of emotional experience that uh, of a roller coaster, you add music. Um, and yet, when we have schools and the education, to, we take music out. So it's an interesting thing. And we as Rotarians are actually doing our bit to try and support the struggling music industry that we have in Australia by well, giving have, opportunities like this.
0: Uh, and I, like I said, it's, it's just extraordinary. And it would be really great, and I don't know how we pull it off, and we will talk offline about this, but I would actually love to... All those singers that that you just mentioned, who've attributed their, um, you know, their sort of their kickstart to Rotary, it would be really great to get them to say that, um, you know, on camera, so that we can actually start to push this message out that Rotary, um, you know, like you said, does play such a huge part in the arts. Michael, I have to, I have to say, thank you so much for bringing the music <laughs> to our lives certainly for bringing your talent to Rotary. Um, Many people throughout our district, obviously seen you perform at district conferences and our major events. And it's always wonderful um, to listen to you. We have a a sort of saying here on Rotary Radio that, you know, you kind of tune in to be educated and inspired. And I have to say it's not even 10am this morning and I'm already incredibly educated about music and, um, you know, how you use your body. And I just found that totally, totally fascinating. So thank you. And I I do, I want to officially put on the record as well that I would like to thank your sister for entering school musicals and fueling (laughs) the uh, the competitiveness in you because it is wonderful to have you part of this wonderful Rotary family. So thank you so much for for spending some time and, and chatting with me today.
1: Thank you, Amanda. And uh, I think the sausages are ready too, so it's perfect
0: timing. <laughs> awesome. Well, you know, and uh, if you, if it is wind and rotary, make sure you say hi from the rotary will. radio team. <laughs>
1: definitely will.
0: Brilliant. Thank you so much, Michael. Have a good day.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye.